bit of a two-parter between this Sunday and next Sunday. Um, some of you uh, have been with us the last couple of weeks, and you know we have been in Matthew. So if you flip to the middle of your Bible, you find the fast food section that's around Psalms and Proverbs. And then you kind of flip to the right and you hit Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which is um, their four accounts of what happened with Jesus. And that's where we've been lately. And we have um, called this uh, series, uh, Jesus for the People. I'm going to skip the announcements today. Jesus for the people. Um, and that's, that's been our um, focus. That's been uh, where we are right now. Um, in looking at Jesus, coming back to Jesus. Who is Jesus? What did Jesus have to say? What is Jesus speaking to us? And today we're going to start off in Matthew um, chapter 4. Uh, in Matthew chapter 4. So, we all may be in different um, stages of our journey with Jesus. It's possible that you've um, heard his name before. It's possible that you've learned about him before. It's possible uh, that this is new to you. And I know one reason that I love our church is that just about every time we dive into a Bible story, I have people saying that it's the first time that they've heard it. And that's how you know you're in a good church. Some of us get that flipped. We think a good church is where everyone is an expert. No, 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 that's not how it should be. Now we're all on a journey. We're all learning more about God. Hello? Are you with me? Okay. And Jesus uh, came for the people. Uh, the picture that we have here uh, is a picture of Lake Galilee, uh, where we have been in Matthew chapter 9 uh, up through last week. Uh, today we're going to start in 4, but in um, talking about who Jesus is, what he said, what he did, and what that means. Because we believe that Jesus is 100% God, 100% human. He came via the virgin birth that had been prophesied many times over, that he lived a life Tempted in every way that you and I are, uh, a very normal life really up into his adulthood. Uh, but for one thing, that he um, was without sin, that he didn't make mistakes, that he was pure, that he chose to follow God to continue his relationship with God throughout his whole life. And Jesus said a few things to us that are very specific and that are actually very simple. And Today, I'm going to do something a little bit different than usual, and that is that I'm going to move quickly through just a few verses. Normally, I like to camp out in one and read a big chunk, and today we're going to go through a few quickly, but I want us to consider what they mean. Okay? Sound good? So, for starters, you can't get through even the first couple of chapters of Matthew or really any, any book of the Bible without coming across God's plan to set things right in our lives. God's plan to set things right in our life, He brings to a fulfillment, to a full circle, if you will, through Jesus. And that is good news, that your guilt has been removed. As Anna said earlier today, we're all born in sin. Every one of us is born into this life, or Adam and Eve, the first couple, 
made the mistake. They did the only thing that God asked them not to do and made the only mistake and caused themselves to be separated from God and put us as humans into a place of needing redemption. And so when Jesus comes, Matthew chapter 4 and verse 17, it says that when he starts to speak publicly, he speaks saying, repeating this message over and over. It was actually the message that got him killed, truth be told. And that is that he called people to repent. Kind of a weird word today. You don't hear it too often except for from people that are a little scary. But Jesus said repent. And to repent means to turn around. It means I was moving in the direction of pursuing pleasing myself above other things. And I turn around. I confess my mistakes. I ask for God's forgiveness. And I turn around and instead of previous, instead of pursuing just pleasing myself, I have recognized that God is who he said he is, creator of the world, the one true living God and Lord and worthy of my worship. And now I am moving in an entirely different direction. I have a new life. My guilt has been removed. But if I repent, I turn from the direction I was going. And now I'm headed in the direction of following Jesus. Last Sunday, we talked about Matthew's story. We talked a lot. If you had to miss, you should listen to it. You can listen on our website or through iTunes, which apparently has 7% of the population through iTunes. I didn't even know that. So I was going this direction, and now I'm going this direction. That's what Jesus is saying. And Jesus says it for a specific reason. He says, repent and turn to God because the kingdom of heaven is near. Meaning there are number of days, our number of days on this earth in which we have an opportunity to make this decision is set. There will be a time when Jesus will come again and our opportunity to do that will be over. Okay? So Jesus says this, whoa, heavy. And I'm sure there were people that were, you know, whoa, crazy, crazy. What, what is he saying? But this was the message of Jesus. And the people that he spoke to, the people that we hung out he hung out with, as we saw in the stories from last week, were people that knew that their life wasn't working out. There were people that knew that trying to do things their own way wasn't working out. Has anyone ever come to that conclusion? Like, I'm doing nothing but trying to make myself happy and it's not working. It doesn't matter what income bracket you're in, that can happen. Right? So Jesus says, repent. And then he says something very simple. And we talked about this, and Femi was a really good example last week. Um, and that was Jesus said to Matthew, follow me. It's very simple, and yet it's very profound. And at any moment of any day, we should be able to ask ourselves, am I in a state of following Jesus? Have I come to the conclusion that God is alive aware of what's going on and that I should worship him, that he should be my Lord, that I should live for him, that Jesus came to reveal God to us, to give us an example to follow. That Jesus is still alive today, observing us, involved in our lives. And that I have a decision that every day when I wake up, I have a decision if I'm going to follow him. Am I actively following him. And if as we follow the story through, 
we see that Jesus makes it very clear. When he called Matthew to follow, there were already other followers. Jesus doesn't ask us to follow him alone. He doesn't ask us to try to fake it until we make it. He doesn't ask us to try to do this by ourselves. No, he asks us to follow him with others. So how? How do we follow Jesus? We follow Jesus together by faith. The degree to which we choose to live in isolation, live a solitary, lonely life, not allowing other people to get to know us, not allowing other people to share our struggles and our victories, the, to get to know us for real, the degree to which we are living a life shared with others is the degree to which you are either living in solitary confinement, the worst punishment you can, which is not the way God intended, or tasting heaven already, which is sharing life with others. If I open my Bible and I study heaven, this is what I find. It's not that I would someday be naked with a ribbon and strumming a harp on a, on, a, on, a, on a cloud. I mean, some of us really, you know, clothing is just a nightmare, right? It's expensive, and that doesn't fit right. It's all like, so heaven is like, it's just you're on a cloud strumming a harp, right? No, Lord, no. Do you think that Jesus really came to die on a cross so that would be our future? No, the Bible has a lot of exciting things that should fire your imagination about heaven. And But guess what? None of them are for you to be by yourself. So when I choose to live a lonely life, I'm actually choosing to live hell on earth. So we follow Jesus together by faith. Now in Matthew 16, Jesus says something else that a lot of us have a hard time understanding. Now Jesus talked about the kingdom of God a lot. And there is much that I would like to say to teach you, to help you understand about the kingdom of God today. But today I want to come to something else that Jesus talked a lot about that you really can't honestly, I mean even just with intellectual honesty, say that you were a follower of Jesus and ignore the church. And I know I'm not in danger of having rocks thrown at me this morning because you're here. (laughs) But Jesus says in Matthew 16, I will build my church. Now, if I go to scripture to understand what the church means, I don't arrive at the conclusion that the American church is in today, which is it's an organization with a building and an event that you attend. No, no. The scripture makes it very clear that the church is people. Here's this, right? right? The church is people. Now, it is people that gather together in a place so that they can worship God. And it is people that gather together with a purpose and with a focus. And if I'm following Jesus, I will be learning about this and it will become more important to me. So one of the things that as a pastor, I'm asking myself on a regular basis is where are we having to manufacture energy? Because those are the things that I want to kill. Now, I'm from the West Coast, so this comes really easy. On the West Coast, we are born, we, are, we come up with not much formality. On the West Coast, if something's not working, we break it. And we set up something that is working. On the East Coast, that's not so much the case. With how you do weddings and funerals, with how you do church, with how you do education, with how you do business. It's true in all of life. I grew up in a very different way. That's why I dress like this. Okay? I could dress in a suit and tie, and I could talk with a special voice. You know the pastor voice? I, c- I know how to do these things. Whoa. Okay, but that's not me. That's, now, some of you have different voices in your minds right now. I can just see. Some of you have got different. Now, listen, I can do that. 
But that's not what I think church is supposed to be. God wants some reality up in here. Right? We are not a show. We are a group of people following Jesus together. So if we follow Jesus together, we can't do it just with our own ideas. And we can't do it with our own courage. We need His faith. The followers of Jesus, including Matthew, said to Jesus, we believe, help us in our unbelief. We've got to ask God for help. So Jesus said a few other things. He said, I will build my church. And then when he was asked, hey, Jesus, what's the most important stuff in all of the Bible or the scripture that they had at that point? And Jesus said these things in Matthew 22. Love God with all you've got and love your neighbor the way you love yourself. Really simple. So this Jesus guy, it's really, it's not complicated, is it? There's not ranks. We don't get ranks. You know, you know it's not the number of years. Right? And it should be very simple. At any moment of any day, I can ask myself, am I following Jesus in this moment? Because underneath any action, underneath any word, there's a belief. Am I believing now in this moment that God is my Savior? Or do I, am I starting to believe that I am my own Savior and I have to earn it? Who are you following? Jesus accomplished it for you. It's done. It's done. That's the grace of God. There's nothing you can do to earn more of His love. He loves you completely right now. But Jesus said, love God with all you've got. Oh, wow. Okay. I don't know about you, but I struggle to do that when I'm living a very private, isolated life. I'm just being honest. We follow Jesus together by faith. I need faith to follow him. James wrote, without faith, faith without action is what? Is dead. In Hebrews we read, it's impossible to please God without faith. So there's this response that Jesus is saying. There is this loving God with all you've got and loving other people. There's also action that comes. In Matthew 28, this is where he's already been crucified, put to death, dead for three days, resurrected. He comes back to life. More than 500 people see him. Many accounts of Jesus resurrected after having been executed by professional executioners. Jesus is walking around. He's just about to leave. He's going to do an Iron Man and just like rocket into the sky. And just as he's about to doing that, he says something to them. And don't you think that what he says in that moment is important? And this is where we get in Matthew 28, these words, go and make disciples, which we don't understand anymore. So let me translate for you. And I want you, and especially I know that we get into tradition with how we pray. We pray prayers in the King James Version of the Bible because it sounds, you know, kind of like Star Wars. They had to get people, Jedis, with British accents because we assume anyone with a British accent is smart. And so we assume that if it's the King James Version that it's smarter. But actually Jesus talked the street language, which is why here I read the New Living. Now I think... The King James and the ESV are probably some of the better translations of literal original language. But let me, I do have a degree in this. Let me translate for you, go make disciples. Jesus says, and he says all nations. And what he's really saying in all nations is people of all ethnicities. Red and yellow, black and white, right? Jesus is saying people of all ethnicities. People that are different than you, people that are similar than you. He says, go 
and urge them to follow me. That would be a literal, in today's street language, how we would translate his words. Go and urge them to follow me. Now, at this juncture, he's talking to hundreds of people, not the superstars, not the people that got a paycheck or had a title or went to seminary. Hello? All of us, if I am a follower of Jesus, I bear a responsibility. And one day when I get to heaven and I am no longer in heaven, do you know that there's one thing that you can't do in heaven? That is this. Urge other people to become followers of Jesus. You can't do that in heaven. It's a done deal. The issue is settled. Jesus actually talked about hell more than he talked about any other subject. I know some of you talk to me at times and say, man, you're a little crazy, you're a little fired up today, you're a little passionate. Yeah, it comes to me naturally, but it's also because of this. I only have so many days on this earth. And I've already seen a lot of death. I don't talk about it a lot, but I've already seen a lot of death. And I know that the fact of the matter is, is that I could drop dead today. I'm 40. I'm pretty fit. I'd take just about any one of you. (laughs) I don't know what would happen. Uh, But I've had a friend drop dead at 40. No previous, I mean, skinny as a rail. I don't know how many opportunities I will have to urge other people to be followers of Jesus. And so there is an urgency. There is a, 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 there should be in every one of us a sense of, of, of responsibility for all the people that are in our lives. You don't know when you will see them again. Some of us in this room have, there's, we've been around death this month. I have been around death this month. Listen, we don't know how many opportunities you will get a chance to talk to somebody else. Now, you know that I'm not a fan of being the crazy Christians. Okay. I'm not a fan of being so weird that you can't have a conversation and actually explain to them what following Jesus means. That doesn't work either. Jesus didn't say, go and distance them from me because you're so weird. No, that's not what he said. We have to be able to be friends whether they come to Jesus or not. We have to be good co-workers. We have to be good neighbors. We have to be real friends that actually listen for the answer when we say, how are you? Whether they come to Jesus or not, because guess what? Their response is between God and them. And it doesn't change your worth and it doesn't change your responsibility and it doesn't change the value of what you've done. If you're there and you love them and you are a reflection of God's love for them, you are God's grace to them, you're good. God can defend himself, and the issue is between God and them. You won't change anyone else. You cannot change anyone else. You can introduce them to Jesus. You can be a good example, but they get who you are more than what you say. They get who you are if you really care about them. See, I want our church to grow, but I want it to grow like we see in the book of Acts which is the people that were coming to Jesus were added to the church daily. 
So I'm not an advocate. I want you to invite as many people as possible. This neighborhood, we live three blocks away. There's people in this neighborhood every night. I would love for you to take the cards that we give you for free and invite as many people to church as possible because the truth of the matter is I found for me, the more people I ask to come to Jesus, the more people that do. It's true. The less people I ask to come to Jesus, the less that do. So we should be asking. And I think it's good to ask them to come to church or one of our neighborhood cleanups or one of the other things that we do. It's a good thing to do with the right motive, with the right heart. Jesus said, go urge people to become my followers. Now, we need to remember who's talking and what's going on, okay? There's real people in this conversation. Matthew was one of those real people. Now remember, who is Matthew? Matthew is somebody who was far from God, who knew he was far from God, and who everyone who knew him knew him as a person who was far from God. Now what did Matthew do? Matthew was one of those 120, the 50 days after the crucifixion, is in a room in the city where Jesus told them to go to wait for the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes, and in Acts 2, we see some supernatural stuff that we believe in, that we don't take out of the Bible. And then the people around them who don't know Jesus are asking, what is going on? And Peter stands, and he gives an explanation from the Old Testament of who Jesus is and what Jesus means. And then they say to him, What should we do about this? And he says the same thing that Jesus said. Repent and turn to God. And this account in Acts 2 written by Dr. Luke and other historical documents, we see that thousands of people came to faith on that day. Thousands. And what did they do? And these are the activities that we see here in chapter 2 and 3 and 4 of this account of what happened. Those people that came to faith in Jesus devoted themselves, your Bible says, to the apostles' teaching. Who are the apostles? Okay, they're the disciples. What did they teach? We see here and in other places. What did they teach? They taught what Jesus taught, which starts with repent. So they devoted themselves to Jesus' teaching, to fellowship, which is relationship in an open life. Do you know how I don't have a midweek service? We don't have a midweek service because we believe that we need to be in each other's lives, and you can't do that in a big meeting. Big meetings are good for some things, but they're not good for fellowship. We can talk to each other, get to know each other in the coffee shop after or before. That's a part of why we have something to eat and drink every time we get together on a Sunday morning. But the truth of the matter is that a large gathering like this is not great for us to grow in relationships. Okay, That's why we do small groups we call life groups. Okay, that's why we do it. This is how they responded to what Jesus said. They devoted themselves to Jesus' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing life. They shared life with each other. They met each other's needs. They devoted themselves to prayer. Every one of us, in fact, your sins are forgiven. It's a new season. It's a new day. You've got a new opportunity before you. And you've got to ask yourself, am I following Jesus? And am I following Jesus the way that Jesus' followers follow Jesus? Because that seems like a good way to follow Jesus. They devoted themselves to Jesus' teaching, to fellowship, sharing life with each other, praying, helping each other, meeting each other's needs, and meeting in groups that were large in public. This is a public place. 
and in small groups in homes. Okay? That's what they did. This is, I could do a weekly, midweek service. We could be a church where you've got multiple conferences and multiple guest speakers. We're part of a network of churches. It would be easy for me to have men's class and women's class and all these other activities and all these other things. Watch me. I could do that so easy. But we don't. Everyone in here has a full life. I'm trying to make room so that you can be in actual, real relationships with each other. Spending time with each other and to be in these small groups that we call life groups. Because it's how the early church did life. See, the truth of the matter is, there is nothing more powerful than the good news of Jesus. Nothing. Nothing in our world is more powerful than the good news of Jesus. And there is no better way to introduce people to this truth than by relationships. You know, this part of the city has seen, over the past 15 years, a number of churches start and stop, start and move to the suburbs. That's not us. You notice we don't do a lot of advertising. You notice we don't do a lot of big events. We do a lot of small events. Because we're trying to follow Jesus the way we see in Scripture. Does that make sense? Okay. I've got a paper here that I want to hand out. Here, Justin, if you can, you and Jimmy can help me out. Make sure that everybody gets one of these. So, I've got just a couple of minutes left. And I'm not going to even be able to begin to touch everything that I wanted to say today, partially because we had such a good time. This Sunday, and we'll call next Sunday, our Vision Sunday. Oh, he's got to use one of those words. Well, let's just talk about that for a second, okay? God is focused on your today. You hear what I'm saying? God's focused on your today. God's not focused on your past. Now, he doesn't ignore your past. He brings healing to your past. Do you hear what I'm saying? God doesn't ignore your past. He brings healing to your past. But you know what? He's also not focused on your past. He's focused on your today. And he's focused on your future. He's focused on connecting your future to your today. So if I take an example of a car, the windshield of my life should be a lot bigger than the rearview mirror. Hello? The windshield of my life should be a whole lot bigger than the rearview mirror. God's focused on my today, and He's focused on my tomorrow. Now, this paper is something that you can stick in your Bible, stick in your pocket. It's up on the web. Uh, if you do any of our social media or our website, you can see it. It's up on the web. The, the back um, is, I believe, which is a Bible study that I think would be good for you. Uh, the front is, if you were to ask me in 60 seconds to talk about what we see in Scripture, why start a church, what is the church about, what are we trying to do, I'm going to show this to you on the slides. So if you want, you can put this down. You're going to see this text on the slides, okay? So, forgiveness and healing are found in Jesus. People need Jesus. We're helping people, and this is what we call our big three, our vision of the church, if you will, our way of expressing in one sentence what we see in Scripture and what we're trying to do as a church. We are helping people connect with Jesus, grow in faith, and share His love. Pretty simple, right? So what do we do? We connect by gathering on weekends for worship to receive and respond to His love. We grow by meeting in small groups for prayer, learning, and sharing life. Okay? Have all my small group leaders raise your hand. Rebecca and I, Ron, Lisa, Nate, Brittany, Ben, Kristen, okay? Chris and Abby. 
Okay, that's a small group leader. You can meet them. You can get into their home. Okay, you can find a place to be a part of this. We share by living like Jesus and sharing his love every day, everywhere. That's how we do this. Okay, and for you to jump in and be involved with this church and what we're doing, that's what it means. It means connecting you. You have a personal decision. Am I connecting with Jesus? Am I following Jesus? And then am I growing in faith? And are you supposed to grow in faith alone? No. Why? We follow Jesus together by faith. Okay? And then we're not supposed to just be us. Right? We're supposed to live it out. We're supposed to make it so that people can unsee Jesus. And here's what we see as a church. We see a church loving people. What is a church? It's all y'all. We see a church loving Jesus in a way that people talk about. We see a church where people find salvation and healing in Jesus. We see a church helping people find careers and peaceful homes. We see a church where everyone can find a place that they fit. We see a church serving the city with love that works. Now, over the past year, give me, can you give me two more minutes? One? Okay, no, I'm a little bit over. (laughs) I love our church. What did we do this past year? Well, I'm certainly not going to have time to talk about all of it, but here's just a little bit of what we did as a church over this past year. We got together on Sundays. We got together in life groups. We get in different neighborhoods in the city. In this area of the city, we went and we picked up garbage, right? We had clean up and pray pray up. We prayer walk neighborhoods, and we want to do more of that. We help the homeless. I don't know if you're aware of it, but we do food. We do clothing. We help the homeless. We help mothers cry. We had a Mother's Day lunch. We helped make uh, Miss Millie make a Mother's Day lunch happen for the mothers who lost children to murder in our city. We helped Center for Urban Families. We're one of the smallest churches with the biggest financial donation to Center for Urban Families, one of the most important nonprofits in Baltimore City. We gave away 400 boxes of popcorn and 50 pounds of candy on Halloween right out my front door. We gave away gifts and clothing and gift wrap on Christmas with our friends at the village. We had a ladies' conference in, in April. We had youth conference and a youth camp for our, our middle school, high school, and college kids. We're supporting a young man in Haiti, providing his home, his health care, his education. We are, uh, we've helped a worship team in Cambodia with musical instruments and many missionaries in, in parts of the world that are predominantly Muslim. We joined with other churches in the city for a one-day conference in Unplugged, and we joined other churches instead of being here on a Sunday, out in the streets on a Sunday morning in City Uprising. In 2013, Sunday attendance and life group participation doubled. Our church calendar is from October 1st to the end of September, so the rest of this I want to talk in terms of that, okay? October 1st to end of September. Sundays grew from an average of 45 to 57, and that 57 is at the end of the summer, which is typically a low point for us. We grew from 26 to 40 people that volunteer to make Sunday mornings happen. 40 adults serving to make this happen on a Sunday morning. We grew from three to four life groups. We grew from 20 to 25 households consistently giving. And what's important for us as a baby church is that we grew from being 36 dependent on out, percent dependent on outside support for our budget to only 11%. That's a big deal. We are growing up. We are starting to pay our own bills, and that's important. <laughs> Here's what I see. As each of you, and I want you to hear me, God is not numbers. Our God is not numbers. 
Our goal is not numbers. But numbers help us understand what's going on. Hello? Okay. Our God is not numbers, but numbers help us understand. Here's what I see. As you in this room start to throw yourself into connecting with Jesus, growing in faith and sharing his love, here's what I think will happen, okay, from the 1st of October of this year to the end of September in 2015. Right now, between adults and babies, we have 87 people that call this their church home. I think that'll grow to 112. I think that at the end of the summer, we will have grown in 2015 from 57 people on average on a Sunday to 74. Now, I think there is also a possibility that there may be some other changes and that could double. I think we're going to go from 40 adults serving to make Sunday mornings happen to 52. I think our life groups are going to grow from four life groups to six. And right now where we have 48 people in life groups, did you get that? 48 in life groups right now to 62. And I'll talk about this more next Sunday because I'm out of time. We're going to go from six serve events to ten. Yeah, I think we will. Here's what we do. We follow Jesus together by faith. Where? In homes, in neighborhoods, in schools, and in workplaces. Will you stand with me and we'll close in prayer this morning. Are you excited? I'm excited. You see, vision happens when we start to see God's preferred future. Did you catch that? Vision happens when we start to see God's preferred future. We may be looking at problems, we may be looking at challenges, and God sees that. One of the names of God, Yahweh El Roy, is the God who sees. God sees the problems, the challenges, the hurdles. God sees that. He doesn't ignore that. But his windshield is bigger than his rearview mirror. Amen? Let's close in prayer. We'll pick this up again next week and talk about more how this works. God, I thank you so very much that we can be together. I thank you so very much that you give us vision, that you want us to be a part of something that's bigger than making ourselves happy, that you want us to not live a selfish life, that you want us to live not a life where we're only focused on ourselves, but a life that is full of purpose, a life that is full of opportunity, a life that is full of living for your purpose. Lord, that you want to see change in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, and in our workplaces. We thank you that you're a God that's alive and that you're a God of miracles. Bless us as we go today with grace and peace. Help us to love on each other, Lord, even in the coffee shop with something to eat or drink today. Lord, I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Grace and peace to you as you go. Have a great day. Please don't forget there's something to eat and drink in the coffee shop. Have a great day.